This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Welcome, thank you for coming. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Caitlin. Hi. So let's start by Uh, saying, again, thank you for coming to the live show. We're talking about The Notebook. You have been given... Bechtel cast bingo, bingo boards. cards. No, uh, we gotta say boards. Bingo boards. Bingo boards. I keep Bechtel I keep, bingo board. I had this whole plan where I was gonna keep saying bingo board moment. Uh, oh, <laughs> just in the f- now, but also in the future. It's like I think we're gonna have all these bingo board moments when we're like together. We for sure will. Right. Okay. So you got bingo boards. So we're gonna be talking for a while and if we say anything uh you've got your boards you've got your writing utensils the first person to i guess the rules of bingo is a diagonal horizontal or vertical five in a row yell out bechtel (laughs) that was aristotle's idea yeah and now everyone can shout out to aristotle find it on your board so, yeah, I mean, get creative. We, between Caitlin and I, we have about 25 thoughts that go on a loop, and they're all on that bingo board. So, right. uh, so the winner will get a prize. Yeah. Um, shout out to our fan, at Danny Cavalier, who yeah. created this Bechtel bingo board. So thank you. <laughs> it was We're really utilizing cool. it. Yeah. yeah, and then he was like, to, to prove the concept, I've re-listened to 12 episodes <laughs> and lost bingo at all of them. So, but you guys are going to win. Someone's going to win. Anyway. All right. By a round of applause, has everybody here seen, give it up if you've seen The Notebook? (laughs) All right. We've got some horny people in the audience. I like it. Clap it up if you have not seen The Notebook. Don't be ashamed. Ooh. Okay. So we've got a few people. Okay, cool. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, If you haven't seen The Notebook, we will, uh, I mean, Caitlin is extremely 
good at recapping things. So we will we will guide you through it, and uh, we're gonna have we're gonna have a killer time. I'm so excited for our guest too. Yes, let's she's, bring her out. Yeah, she's a comedian. You know her from our Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid episode already, yeah, and she wrote for the upcoming Misfits and Monsters. It's gonna be coming out on True TV. Give it up for Caitlin Gill. Okay, thank you. Two Caitlins in one stage. I don't know how similar our voices are, but I am Caitlin Gill. Yes, and I am Caitlin Durante. I don't know. We forgot to introduce ourselves. Oh, I'm Lil Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) I just show up to have fun. I'm Caitlin Gilf, the roller skating grandma you'd like to fuck. Right? <laughs> Love it. Oh my gosh. I Okay, first of all, I'm looking over your shoulder, Caitlin. Uh, Durante, oh God, okay. I'm looking <laughs> over your shoulder, Caitlin Durante, as I always am. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've got how many pages of notes today? Seven. Seven pages. And I'm sorry. You might say that's a full notebook. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. And that was a full discussion. Uh, 11 point font. Yeah. <laughs> What's your spacing at? 1.5? One, baby. Jeez. Margins are slim. <laughs> Caitlin's got a lot of thoughts on this. I have exactly I don't I don't want to give you a bingo board moment. Whatever. Do it. <laughs> first of all, a man just yelled do it to me and I'm gonna kill it. No, I'm kidding. I did, for all you bingo boarders out there, I did watch this movie this morning. So well done. And I have exactly Eight bullet points. (laughs) (laughs) I brought out a bottle of water, but I peeled the label off so I knew which one was mine. That's how prepared I am. That's not true. I also watched the movie. Varying degrees of Of, preparedness. A vast spectrum of preparedness. I watched the movie three times. Jesus Christ. For the podcast. Let's clarify. You have seen it many times independently. Only a couple before this. Okay, all right. Yeah, don't. Don't. Well. <laughs> that's fair. Honestly, We're that's feuding. Fair. That's fair. Feud. 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 Yeah. Alfred Molina's in feud. All right. <laughs> We're just giving them away <laughs> now. We're bingo boarding hard. Alfred Molina. Okay, I will just get it out at the top. Alfred Molina in this movie could have played Rachel McAdams' twirly mustache dad. For sure. For <laughs> sure. Because the, the mother is a big character, and we'll talk about her a lot. But twirly mustache dad is in it for like three seconds, and he's always just like... Doing a twirly, he's like, you know, talking to a poor boy, I see. And that's like all he does. <laughs> like, There's one scene where he talks to a poor man and another scene where he talks to a sandwich with like crayfish <laughs> on it. He does talk to a sandwich. <laughs> does it pass the Bechtel test if a guy with a twirly mustache talks to a sandwich? I suggest we revise the rules. What does that mustache smell like? Hey, I guess speaking of be the Bechtel <laughs> test, I wonder, just out of curiosity, is there anyone who has never listened to an episode of the Bechtel cast and are therefore very confused by everything that's happened so far? Don't be afraid. They're nice. Oh, we've got a little hand. Okay, you, little you, oh. a, What if he really Welcome had a little hand? Party. Hello, he's got a regular size hand. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, did someone bring you? <gasps> Hi. Oh, wow. You have a good roommate. Okay, well, well, well welcome. Welcome. Uh, so we will define the Bechtel cast for you and you alone. Uh, <laughs> well, the Bechtel uh, well, cast, cast is indefinable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fluid, beautiful, gorgeous. Mm. The test does have several interpretations. We use a very specific one. Yes, the Bechtel test is applied to, for our sake, movies. It requires that there are two women who have names, their characters have names, they speak to each other, and their conversation cannot be about a man. 
That is the test. It's, the Bechdel cast, we that's our sort of jumping off point. We talk about the portrayal of women in movies, one movie at a time. I do think it's funny that sometimes people are like, oh yeah, that's just the podcast where you decide. I'm like, do you think we take an hour deciding? <laughs> If one conversation takes place tonight, I feel like we could though. We yeah, because we started a pre-debate. We did. We warmed up. Yeah, I asked whether or not you guys think the Notebook passes the test, Mm -hmm. and and we well, we'll let's save it. Save it. It's gonna be a a twist. I knew as soon as I started this segue, I was like, these two have a plan, and I. I'm like trying to be the hotshot guest all like, hey guys, how about I guide our conversation a little bit? You have seven pages of 11 font note with slim margins. Caitlin has basically brought a manifesto. And I'm here like, why don't I throw out a pitch for a topic? You've got this covered. We'll get there. I think that, yeah, you're the Unabomber. I'm the Unabomber's friend. (laughs) He didn't have any. Una. I had, you're right. I know that doesn't mean one. I just wanted it to mean one. It means university bomber because that's where he started. He was ruined in a university. Anyway, don't. I'm speaking of universities. Shout out to Kaczynski. I have a Kaczynski sweatshirt. (laughs) I was robbed of a Bechtel bingo board moment. Oh, no. When I said, speaking of universities. (laughs) Take it home. Take it home, Dream. Go ahead. Go ahead. I do have a master's degree from Boston University. Oh, wait. A what? In screenwriting. From where? From Boston University. That's Unabomber adjacent. A master's degree, indeed. Okay, let's talk about The Notebook, shall we? The Notebook, yes. Yes. Caitlin, uh, you saw it recently. Yes, I had not seen The Notebook, and I did for this podcast, so that tells you how deeply I'm willing to sacrifice for the two of you. Thank you so much. much. That's right. Mm -hmm. Jamie, when did you first see it? I saw this, I watched this movie with my grandma on TNT. (laughs) Let's say in 2007, I think. feels right. We watched it with commercials in Massachusetts in 2007. I remember at that time I was like, this is dumb. I know love is, I was like a big hot topic shopper and (laughs) didn't really believe in love if it wasn't directly related to Jack and Sally. So, uh, (laughs) so I, I did see the novel, didn't care for it and didn't see it again until this morning and I watched it twice, and I cried so much. Did you? Watch? <laughs> I loved it. I was. I got very. I mean, and and I've become a very emotional adult. No, but I I did, and I saw it, and I was I was. This was one of those episodes where I was fully going in, expecting to unequivocally hate, have a problem with every element of this movie, and there's mistakes were certainly made. We will discuss them. <laughs> But it did far better than I expected because I for- forgot almost everything. Right. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I think that takes us to the recap and then we'll get into the discussion. So The Notebook, if you have not seen it, yeah. um, we open you- on two old people, Duke and unnamed old woman who lives in a nursing home. They call him Duke because they, they're just like, what if it's not Ryan Gosling? Parentheses old. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. confusing. I guess that's his nickname. Duke. I, yeah. They really could have, we could have used a nickname reveal toward the end of the movie. <laughs> they never, sp- yeah. they didn't do that. It no. would, would have been handy if would, after, you know, you get, you'll get there in the recap, but there would have been a time to give him a nickname. And frankly, <laughs> I want to know why they call him Duke. There's a story <laughs> that doesn't come out of nowhere. You don't right. just read in the paper one day. You're Duke now. He's right. never, he's you never referred to as Duke 
in the earlier events of the movie. Nope. So something happens between ages like 25 and 70. He becomes Duke. Midlife crisis, <laughs> buys a boat, call me Duke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So our friend Duke visits this old woman and he reads her a story from the notebook, a notebook. Oh, I just, I, right. <laughs> figure out why the movie is called The Notebook? <laughs> I wouldn't say it was a notebook as much as it was a leather-bound journal, but that's not... The leather-bound journal in theaters, Valentine's Day. I just figured that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Great. Notebook, 100%. 100%. Uh-huh. Makes sense. <laughs> that makes me deeply happy. So, <laughs> so Duke reads this woman a story from the book... <laughs> the and the leather bound uh, <laughs> the story is about Noah and Allie they are a couple of young people who meet for the first time in 1940 Noah is poor he's a poor boy and he works at a lumber yard when do we want to introduce the fact that this is like Titanic basically there's a lot of, as you go through the recap oh god these fucking bingo borders I don't know why we're mo- we gave it to you sorry <laughs> We're like, so gross of you to participate like we asked. (laughs) But do, as you listen through the recap, there's so many parallels that we will break down in detail. We sure will. So Allie, in the meantime, is a rich girl and her family is in town for the summer. Noah pursues Allie and she is resistant at first and we will 100% talk about it. He's got a little Newsies hat. He's wearing a hat. He sure does. I love how I love like the interesting little choices that people will make to make an actor who's clearly like in his late twenties seem like a teenager. He's like, I just put a little newsies hat on him. Yeah, <laughs> just like young. Make those pants baggier. That'll cut off about five years. Have <laughs> him slouch a little bit and go, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so he's pursuing her. She is not into it at first, but eventually he wins her over, and then they start dating. But it's the summer before she's going to leave for college. So she's about to leave for college and they break up because he's like, I don't see how we're going to make it work. I'm too poor. And then a few years pass. <laughs> Noah buys his like old plantation house. And meanwhile, he also goes to World War Two. Ever yeah. heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's on their bingo boards like, is World War Two on the <laughs> World War Two reference on the bingo board? <laughs> he goes to war. His friend dies. He comes back. He comes back and he fit, he buys this old plantation home that he was like, oh, Allie and I are going to live here because we're going to be together forever. Psych, but that is what happens. Uh, <laughs> Caitlin. Sorry, I've spoiled everything. <laughs> <laughs> so he built, he makes this house all nice and then someone takes a picture of it in the paper and then Allie sees it. Except that meanwhile, she's found another man. James named- Marsden. Yes. Okay, this, people, some people would disagree. I think Gosling to Marsden upgrade. That's what I think. Yes. Yeah, James Marsden is like cartoonishly handsome, which is why he plays we a cartoon prince. We can talk about prince. what an upgrade not only that actor is, but that character. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the character. Because goddamn. Majorly. James Marsden, God. It's like, like, what does he do to his eyebrows or are they just like that? It's just crazy. <laughs> it's amazing. One of the parallels to Titanic is that he has great eyebrows. Cal Hockley great eyelashes all right <laughs> uh, what if billy zane was in both of these movies <laughs> what if he was the connecting thread so the notebook the, no- is, the notebook uh, a movie about a notebook 
So, like, she's used this picture in the paper. She faints because women be fainting. Oh, yeah. And then... In her wedding dress, she yeah. faints. <laughs> yeah. And she decides to go and see him, to pay him a visit, because it's been seven years, and their relationship broke off kind of abruptly. Oh, and there's a whole thing where he wrote her a letter every single day for a year, and her mom intercepted all those letters, so she never got them, and she didn't know that he was writing to her. Which, honestly, you lazy. Check the mail once a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One time Get up year. Get up earlier. And you, like, see, yeah, <laughs> you see the mom getting the, the mail, and it's like, oh, it's about 2 it's p.m. It's daytime. She's fully dressed. This ain't <laughs> early. <laughs> It's not like she has the mail guy delivering stuff on the low. He's delivering it regularly. <laughs> right. So she approaches him and she's like, hey, how how are you? And he's like, I, I've been drunk for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he's lost everyone in he's his lost life. His dad and Fabrizio. Fabrizio, <laughs> and basically. We'll get there. His name's Finn, Finn, but it's like his name's Fabrizio, <laughs> and he died in 1912. Why is he in this movie? <laughs> so Allie and Noah reconnect, but she's like, oh, do I stay with my James Marsden fiance? Say, like, yes. just just so you know, Caitlin Gill is fully... <laughs> I was making the finger inserted into the fist sex implication motion, because mm-hmm. they do it. That's when they do it. That's yes. the part of the movie where they do it. It's true. I if you were, were looking to fast board. forward to a really boring milquetoast love scene, that's... <laughs> You got to go to about two thirds. Not yeah. even a nippy. Not even a nippy. It's like there was going to be a nippy. I'm uh, frankly relieved. Uh, so yes, they have sex, and she's like, they "Wait do. a minute, do I stay with Lon, my James Marston fiance, or oh, yeah, Lon is James Marston? Rich for the purpose of this podcast, we'll be calling him James Marston, obviously. Yes. <laughs> or do I go back with Noah Ryan Gosling? And honestly, because he makes her come and and James Marsden doesn't. That we know stays. of. Well, the, we af- don't see it. Well, after they have sex, she's like, so that's what I've been missing? Are I we think Because really? she like has, she I has interpreted more that as like I losing think. her purity. I definitely thought she had a nickel oh. between her knees until she went back to see Noah. But that that's oh. a very different interpretation that does have different... Sort of offspring. I think that was her. I think she was having really boring sex. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so so in that, I would buy that that she was basically telling James Marsden that she was a virgin and wanted to wait for marriage. I don't even know even if, if that was like a little fake forties proper shit. Like this is a dude right. who asked her parents first and all that. Like, yeah, Lon was also like, a gentleman. Lon was, I, I can't say for sure. It's just that was my interpretation because I there love, was a, there was nothing about that sex scene that implied in any way that she would come from what he was doing. <laughs> I do not believe. Well, she was like that. He had the focus or dexterity to accomplish. No, that. It, it sounded a little <laughs> jokey when she's like, "So that's what I've been missing out on on this whole time." And then he turns to her and is like. Yeah. <laughs> it's also the kind of love scene where someone strong is carrying someone tiny, which inevitably ends in the tiny person being pressed up against a wall. And in this case, it was like a cabinet. There was nothing. She's, you cannot come with a handle sticking in your back. <laughs> and like, yeah, you, okay, cool. You drag me like I'm, we're off the wall now. And now we're just in your ghostly ass plantation <laughs> trying to fuck in the same room we couldn't fuck in when we were 17. What, do you remember how romantic it was to go back to where you first tried to fuck when you were 17? Drive your car to your parents' driveway and just sit in it fumbling? Yeah, hard pass, hard pass. Yeah, because we should all go back to that 01 Ford Focus that we were all in at one time. (laughs) 
Okay, so I might have misinterpreted what happened. No, I think that's open. Either way, we're still at the recap. (laughs) So she is like, yeah, I'm going to pick Noah because he's my first love. And she does confront her mom about the whole letter thing. And her mom was like, shrug. And her mom, right? Her mom reveals that not only did she hide the letters, but she did it in spite of the fact that she herself harbored a young summer love. That she right. still occasionally goes back to watch work in his rock quarry yeah. I, from her fucking convertible Plymouth <laughs> with her like Gucci's on or whatever. If that was a thing in '47, just watching this dude like shovel rocks. That was I guess, a, and that was looks at her daughter like I love your father, but I'd still fuck that gravel guy any day. <laughs> that was the question I had, because at the end of that scene, he looks over, and I'm like, does he recognize her? And he's like, oh, dude. yeah, we used to hook up, and now 40 years later, she still comes and stares at me shovel rocks sometimes. <laughs> In case you're wondering if I've got back. that good dick or not. <laughs> Women be staring at me shoveling rocks four decades on. (laughs) Wax mustache guy outside, like, shoveling the driveway, like, I don't know why she asked me to do this. (laughs) She is so aroused when I come back in. Uh, I feel like wax mustache guy comes, like, coins or like because he looks like an extra from the greatest showman like he, he fully looks like a magician who's gotten lost he's just but she's she loves him yeah I, yeah so the mom takes Allie to the quarry or whatever and is like i too once loved a poor <laughs> and that's basically the end of the right, and then she's like make the right choice and, and then, then drops Noah. her daughter off at the fully restored plantation mansion the poor lives in so i think <laughs> yeah. hard air quotes around poor at home listeners <laughs> right so and, and then at some point in the story it's revealed remember duke and the old woman who is hearing the story turns out duke is noah and the old lady is ali no way wow. everyone what a total shocker <laughs> i'm sorry what the audible gas gasping but wow. the reason that he is recounting this story to her is that she has dementia and she's lost her memory so he reads the story to her to help her remember their love for each other from the notebook it turns out from the notebook <laughs> the leather bound <laughs> journal and then sometimes it works and she remembers and then they die <laughs> together I totally forgot that it, they there's both. this like rapid fire 15 minute ending where like she remembers she sundowns he has a heart attack he goes to see her in the ward that she's now trapped in because he's not there to read to her I guess <laughs> he like shuffles out and a nurse is like sir you're not allowed to walk around but I'm definitely gonna leave to get coffee and let you wink winks he goes in to see his ailing wife who wakes up in full cognizance hi honey good to see you Noah yeah. hey do you think our love could kill us together. (laughs) He crawls into bed and that poor nurse comes back to work in the morning like, I can't whistle into the microphone, but she is a thousand percent whistling, carrying a cup of coffee like, I wonder where those old people who are in love are, pushes open the door, corpses. Blackout, credits roll. Sorry, there are birds first. And then credits roll. A lot of swans, yeah. yeah. A lot of birds. I, uh, for, I thought they were geese. And I was like, are we to believe that Ryan Gosling has been a goose? This Apparently we are. 
We missed the, we didn't, you can't recap the birds, but the movie opens on this, like, I love to notice in a movie, like, when the editor's name pops up in the opening credits, like, what scene was there? Because that's obviously a choice. The editor chooses that, or, like, director of photography. And all of them are just, like, glorious birds. Like, everyone who edited or had, a, like, a say in how the picture looks opens to swan soaring. And the movie goes through, and they're at the beach, and Allie's like, what if I was reincarnated as a bird? And I was like, that's weird, except fine, you're a bird, I'm a bird. And then when Allie comes back to see Noah after he's rebuilt the house, he's like, come with me. I'm not going to tell you where, but it's probably dangerous. I consistently endanger you. And then took her on a boat to see ducks. They look at ducks. It rains. Then yeah, they're at the end, it's like, let's die together. They die together. Camera pulls out of the nursing home fucking birds. Like, did we birds. need this bookend? I hope some, I hope a camera, like a B-unit camera guy got shot on so hard. I <laughs> I hope that there is someone in the theater in 2004 who just like wailed like, and there's birds <laughs> like at the end. Like that really made that tied the movie together for them. I will say I decided to view that from like a bitter Henri lens. There's no reason to. It is beautifully shot. It's some gorgeous imagery. Way to go! Like yeah, be a bird. I guess that's a very free way Geese. to imagine your dead parents, which is what that movie makes you do at the end. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, oh, great. Here's another question I had because there is a moment in the old people story where all of their kids and grandkids show up but Allie doesn't realize that because she has dementia and so Duke is just like <laughs> Duke I like to think he joined a middle-aged man's basketball league and he's like I'm Duke uh, but, he got Duke's jersey from last year and he's Duke now <laughs> <laughs> but but the, uh, there's like a brief conversation after Allie takes her nap or she like she leaves the scene and all the kids are talking to, to Noah and they're like oh mom doesn't remember us I'm like have you read this weird long handwritten story about your parents fucking like do they know the notebook story I feel like they all do I feel like they all know, like, hey, when we first tried to lose our virginity, it was confusing. <laughs> <laughs> but 10 years later, we raw-dogged hard. <laughs> I hope there's some explanation for why those kids were so fucked up and cold. They're seriously <laughs> only in the movie to be like, mm, mom doesn't recognize me. And then immediately be like, dad, leave mom. She's boring. We'll help. Like, <laughs> and they don't. And then they just take off never to be seen again that was the part in the movie where i genuinely because it is for some reason intentionally ambiguous for a while who the identity of the old man is once the kids were so like fuck her leave her i was like maybe he's actually james marston <laughs> And the kids know that their dad has no self-respect and that she's been in love with Ryan Gosling the whole time. And they're like, Dad, you've blown your life on this lady. But James Marston has to go read the book about how she fell in love with Ryan Gosling to get her to remember him. Every single day. He has to be like, so you want to hear the story about how you don't love me again? <laughs> Although, you know, I wouldn't put it past Marsden. He's a class act. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So on to... So in this page of Caitlin's notes, mm. there's some highlighting and there's different shades. There's a... What would you call this? A table? Do you have a chart going? It's a, a bit of a... It's a lavender it's a, shaded box. It's a box. <laughs> uh, it's a so what mood. I've done here... So the first thing I wanted to talk about yes. is the first 15 minutes of the movie 
and how problematic they are. I will yes. quote my girlfriend here who watched this with me. Uh, I love her so much. Thank you. That was very kind of you. Uh, oh, give but, it up for love. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, let's die in the same senior home gurney someday. <laughs> yeah. I'm just uh, scouting <laughs> hands to hold whilst I die. <laughs> Get right in that notebook, girl. Uh, <laughs> But she looked over and she was like, so get ready, because I'm pretty sure this movie is responsible for all the problems that women have had with men for the past 14 years. Like, this problematic setup, this 15 minutes, yeah. is why men are so confused about what we actually want and why women are letting dudes crawl onto their carnival rides, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah, walk us through it, Caitlin, because it, it, the first 15 minutes is like, whew. So we open in 1940, they're at a carnival. Noah sees Allie from a distance. She's riding bumper cars. He's A precursor leering. to her dementia. I'm pretty sure we witnessed her getting the CTE that caused oh. her later brain trauma. <laughs> this is I all think that's foreshadowing as hard what as those birds. Pay you know? Amazing. You can map this scene directly on Titanic as well for when Jack sees Rose for the first time on the Titanic deck at a distance and is like, who is rich girl? And then... <laughs> And then his friend is like, that is rich girl. She is rich. And then he says, me must have her. <laughs> that basically happens in this scene as well. Yes, indeed. So he's leering at her. She <laughs> gets out of her bumper car. He like runs up to her and says, do you want to dance? She responds, no. Why not? Because I don't want to. And then they go off Why and women do a clear? fair deal. Jeez. <laughs> so fucking ambiguous i don't want to what could that possibly mean (laughs) so then they get on a ferris wheel Allie and this other guy and noah jumps onto the seat that they are in and she screams ah get off me don't touch me and then he introduces himself they're like go away and the ferris wheel operator is like you can't sit there and he stops the ferris wheel so in order to resolve that situation he instead he climbs out of the seat and hangs Ryan Gosling, from a the bar Ferris wheel guy right <laughs> Noah hangs from probably 30 to 40 feet in the air his newsies cap totally intact <laughs> <laughs> the Ferris wheel operator is just like yes fine this is not a liability I will let this happen I Wait, definitely shouldn't have just waited for their car to come to the ground right. before I stopped the ride oh, I made a good eye plan by stopping it while he was suspended in midair <laughs> Also, there's this other guy in the scene with Allie the whole time who we understand to be like her friend who is demonized by the movie hard as like when Noah first is like, dance with me. And she's like, no. And then the guy's like, hey, leave her alone. Like the movie would have you believe what what an asshole. (laughs) Right. I'm like, no, that's her. That's someone she knows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he's now hanging from a Ferris wheel 40 feet in the air. Romantic. He says, now will you go out with me? She says, what? No. No? No. No. And then his friend's like, We're hey, just going to let you play all parts. Yes, please. <laughs> the friend who the movie thinks is an asshole is like, hey, pal, she just told you. Boo. <laughs> Noah says, why not? Allie says, I don't know because I don't want to. And then he lets go of one hand, and now he's dangling. He's like, well, I guess I'll fucking kill myself then. (laughs) Super stable. No red flags here. (laughs) And then E from Entourage is like, just go out with him. (laughs) That's Fabrizio. Right. Finn. Finn. Also. This is so (laughs) 
Gene, because he's threatening to kill himself, placates him by being like, okay, fine, I'll go out with you. Although and we he... could end the movie right here. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. This poor guy approached me and like and then said died. And then just like killed himself. <laughs> <laughs> just fell from a Ferris wheel to his death. <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> I'm going to Sarah Lawrence next year. <laughs> and then he's all smug about it, and he's just like, oh, don't do me any favors. Like, fine, I'll go out with you. And then she takes his pants off, which I don't know what to make of that. We can get into it later. She's trying to get some sort of, I mean, that I was like, at least she did something to give herself the upper hand. I don't understand. Right. I was like, did she take his dick out in like 1940? <laughs> she didn't. She didn't. Yeah, that whole scene is is a nightmare and is like totally textbook giving young men the wrong idea and giving young women the wrong idea of like, here's the beginning to a beautiful love story. Right. Of this a man is going to be the rest of your life. You're going to become a swan with this man. <laughs> For sure. Right. Like if a guy harasses you having never met you and he's wearing a horrendous hat... <laughs> This is the man who will hold your hand as you die. Like, <laughs> it's not good. Uh, right, because then in the next scene, he sees her walking down the street. He sprints up to her and is like, oh, I'm really sorry. That was stupid for me to crawl on a Ferris wheel, but I had to do it. I was drawn to you. I thought he was about to say, like, I was very drunk or high. Well, a better answer. But he was honestly. like, I was drawn to you. I was like, so that's not an excuse at all. <laughs> no. Yeah, I was drunk. Perfectly reasonable. I was drawn to you, running. Running in the other direction. (laughs) Leaving. Fleeing. (laughs) And then he goes, hey, how about that date? And she's like, what date? And he's like, the date you agreed to. And she says, no. And he's like, you did. You promised. You swore it. And then she's like, I changed my mind. But she's like flirting with him now. And they're always flirting. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. It's like even in the middle of these super weird, stalky scenes, she start like her character starts to engage it just a little bit and just a little bit until you, as a like thirteen year old watching this with your grandma, let's just say, (laughs) are fully gaslighted and being like, "Oh yeah, this if someone's horrible to you, that's a freaking yes, right?" That's just because then the scene ends with he's like, "What's it gonna take to change your mind?" And she's like, "I love this. You'll figure something out, I guess." He slips. He did. He. I actually thought they might have written these lines for her, and they switched sides that day because he winds up saying like, "I'll be anything you want me to be. You want me to be smart." You want me to be strong? You want me to be, what do you want? You want me to be a big guy? I'll be a big guy. And she's like, you're dumb. I can be that. <laughs> like, instantly just like, I will make myself literally anything you tell me to be. I am a slate for you to draw upon. I am but a canvas. You are the brush. You like painting, right? Wait, I don't find that out until I take you into the middle of the street and make you lay down. <laughs> Which he does right after. Can I break down this date? Yeah. Yes. Because they go on a date. They go to a movie with friends. Uh, they sit apart from each other. He leaps across seats to be next to her. Apparently she's fine with that. He stares at her, not the movie, and just watches her eat popcorn. Again, totally fine. Who isn't comfortable fine with a man lustily staring at you as you like move buttered, greasy fingers to your mouth? <laughs> they leave the movie. They decide to walk together. Finn is like, you in love now? And they're like, ah, I'm 
maybe. And they walk into the street. He uh, <laughs> tells her, you don't know what you like. You don't know what you're doing. Uh, I'm condensing this conversation, but mm-hmm. that is the thesis. Like, what right. do you like to do for fun? Oh, what your parents tell you? That's stupid. You're stupid. <laughs> and then it's like, you don't take any risks. Come here and take the risk I tell you to take, whether it's what you want to do or not. Uh, I'm going to show you how to be free, and it's by stepping into this cage that I'm building for you. Uh <laughs> This he is lays- one of the most romantic scenes in the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Precious. He lays down in the middle of the street to watch the lights change like he used to do with his dad. I don't know. Get a nickel. Go to the goddamn movies. Uh, <laughs> he gets her to lay down, and she ta- she loses herself in the moment. You know what I do for fun? You know what I love? I love painting. Honk, honk, beep, car coming. Doesn't slow down even a little bit as they leap out of the road. Oh, so what it takes for you to realize that you like painting is to be seconds from death? <laughs> Honey, loosen up. You're not doing good. But that whole first date is like, your ambitions are wrong. Do what I tell you to do. You don't know how to think for yourself, but I'll tell you some options. Choose between the one I tell you is right. Also, lay down in traffic. That's the case. Well, in the movie, in the notebook, the next page, it cuts back to the old people, and it's like, and they were inseparable after that. Like, that's what it took? (laughs) Jesus Christ. Well, let's backtrack a minute because while this movie does not have a surprise kiss, I don't know if that's one of the bingo things, (laughs) it does not have a surprise kiss. This movie, I would argue, has a surprise date because Noah's like, hey, Finn, arrange this thing so that I can hang out with Allie. And then they all go to the movies. It's like Finn and her friend Sarah and then Noah and Allie. And he shows up and she's visibly uncomfortable. She's like, what's he doing here? She's not happy that he's there. But some point in the movie, something switches. We do not understand why this happens, but suddenly she's okay with him. And then there... It's the traffic scene, though. I think that that's where we're supposed well, to believe that she... they like bond is like when they when this horrible thing happened. Like... Yeah, but the fact that she agrees to go to that point with him because he's like, do you want to go for a right. walk? And she's like, okay, sure. And this is like, how? Like, why? It's what shift happened? It's very unclear. Like, there, Nicholas Sparks uh, is clearly a very stable man <laughs> <laughs> who has definitely kissed a girl before. <laughs> And uh, has, so every <laughs> oh, wait. every story he tells has an uncanny valley quality of like, and the girl just comes around because he's. <laughs> He's wearing a hat. Wait, I know what it is. I know what it is. So she enters the movie being like, oh, I don't want to hang out with this guy. I'm sitting several people away from him. She watches that movie. The movie tricks her and is like, oh, this is how romance is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a man preying on you and I have not seen Little Abner, but I'm tempted now because that's what they were watching. I don't know. Right. Which, I mean, it's safe to say any movie that came out Ever, Ever <laughs> is pro predatory stalking romance. If it was in theaters in 1940, I'm not sure yeah. it had a progressive discourse on intersectional feminism. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just laid out in traffic and waited for my prince to come. Yeah, so that's what I think happened. She saw the movie and then she got, because movies are very influential, she was like, oh, I guess this is how romance is supposed to be. So it is. I mean, it's a very like predatory stalking start to this relationship in this movie and that is so common in all romance movies and all rom-coms specifically and i like want to make a point to not 
Like, I think that people are so often shamed for enjoying rom-coms and romantic movies in a way that, like, dudes are not shamed for enjoying, like, Transformer-style movies. <laughs> and so it's like, if you love romantic movies, awesome. There's a lot of parts of these movies that I, like, choked up at and thought was, like, extremely beautiful, but... I didn't uh, because I have no emotions. <laughs> You're welcome. You're ba- okay. She's pandering to the bingo board. <laughs> <laughs> That's but 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 like the the predatory stalking narrative is so prevalent in both of these genres to the point where it's like I mean I can draw on an example in my own life of like a dude pursuing me pretty reluctantly when it's clear it's like oh you've just seen this movie like yeah, it's weird when you spot quotes like in somebody's yeah. term like terrifying pursuit of you where you recognize like are you getting a boombox right now and coming to my house right, like i feel right. like yeah that's where you got it and the thing that bums me out about it is that i do love romance yeah. i love infatuation and i totally buy seeing someone being so taken that you just have to talk to them and like finding a love that you're so passionate about even though circumstances in your life are unsure like that's such a real and beautiful situation like falling in love young and figuring out a way to see it through your adulthood and your seniorhood that's such a beautiful story and it is terrible that these are the dominant narratives in them like there are absolutely ways to meet the love of your life at a carnival that aren't endangering a woman and then manipulating her right in dating you it could start with a candy apple like let's just resource like you've got a lot of Excellent things available no to you. No shortage of setups, no shortage of props. Right, We've yeah. got a lot of stuff going. <laughs> like, the first thing you see him do at the carnival, his friend Finn wins a tiny toy at, like, one of those, like, hammer, hit a thing real hard thing. Mm-hmm. Like, we know that... Big strong boy. That, yeah, Noah goes on to build, a, fight a war and build a house with his fucking hands. Yeah. Win a teddy bear! <laughs> like, you had so many choices that weren't that. Right. It's a bummer that more of these movies that do... Because I love that heart. I do like this movie. It's a good movie with great performances. I wish that's what they weren't performing. Like, I wish there was something better that they could have been doing. Right. There's like a few chunks of this movie that play into those tropes in such a direct way. And then other chunks of this movie that are so beautiful that it's just like, I, I wish that, yeah, if this movie had started and been framed in a different way that would have been like more realistic than what we see, it would have been like way easier to digest the rest of the movie. Totally. But instead, yeah, the movie like frames this like very stalking predatory behavior as romantic. I did want to say, we were talking about this in the car over, not to justify this setup at all because it is bad and this movie came out in 2004. (laughs) It's not 1992 like it feels. Right. (laughs) Right. But I have been thinking about this a lot every time I see like a period set movie of like how so many couples in this period of time, their beginning of their love story is very predatory and creepy. Uh, I think that if a lot of like if anyone knows of like how their grandparents met, guaranteed terrifying. (laughs) My my grandparents, my paternal grandparents, and my dad told me this after both of them had died and in the middle of telling me the story was like, oh, oh. This is how my grandparents met. My grandmother, 15 years old, walking her infant sister around in a carriage outside Brockton, Massachusetts, 1950s. Beautiful. A man, 8 to 10 years her senior, my future grandfather, spots her from behind. Cat calls her, says, hey, that your baby? She turns to him, says, no. (laughs) He says, cool, want to go on a date this weekend? They're married for 5 million years. It's just like... Imagine marrying the first man who catcalled you. Like, I just... (laughs) 
I expected better of her. Well, in the notebook, we see uh, like all the times that she either says a flat out no or I don't want to right. or don't touch me. She says it like eight times. And, and why this like, movie basically like teaches men like, oh, just push past the no. Like she's wear just her being down. Emotional. <laughs> yeah, to, like ignore the no, because eventually she'll give in. Just wear her down and it's gonna be romantic. Like that's Love a the horrible, irresponsible message that so many fucking movies send. I Never will find give this out. movie two brownie points that I didn't expect. One, the scene where they try to do it and can't. I think they did that pretty well. Yes. Uncomfortable uh-huh. with them stripping in front of each other, but I am old and apparently very frigid. Uh, <laughs> but they, so they try to get it down, like in their summer of love when they're young, they try to bone. And she gets nervous and very chatty in the middle. And he, I think there's like a physical expression of frustration of like, oh, like, which is understandable. Right. Uh, but he like rolls over and they just talk for a minute. He's not mad. He's not pouty. He doesn't ask her a bunch of shitty questions. He says, we don't have to do this if you don't want to. Yep. I think that's bonus points. They're also teenagers who've been rubbing on each other all summer. Like, this is a tough moment, hard conversation. I thought that that was well handled. Uh, Also, later in the movie, Lon, what a gentleman. Oh, my God, Lon. Lon. We'll get to Lon. I kept... <laughs> like so Lon is the later Horny fiance that uh, she winds up ditching and in the scene in which she ditches him she is expressing her emotions perhaps clearly for almost the first time in the film uh, <laughs> honest, except for when she was saying no to Ryan Gosling right right right, right. <laughs> except for all those no's and don't touch me uh, but she's honest she tells him that she's leaving like hey Lon I'm gonna go on a trip I have to figure some shit out before we get married that's pretty honest right don't have to be specific yet you're not you don't know what you're doing yet once Lon is like figuring shit out. She comes to him and talks to him, is honest, bonus point. And his reaction is pretty tempered. I could kill him, I could punch him in the nose, or I could leave you, but none of those are any good because they don't give me you. Like, oh, you're a dar- like, good job. Even before that, whenever she's saying, hey, I have I have to go take care of some things. I'm going to go to Seawood or whatever yeah. the fuck it's called. SeaWorld. SeaWorld. Rest against the tank. <laughs> In this world, <laughs> Rachel McAdams is in love with a whale. Becomes shape of water so fast. Oh my god! <laughs> Don't no, get Jamie started on oh, shape of water. Oh, I know. I know what I was doing. <laughs> I knew what box I was opening. I'm Fishman flops activated. My legs are double crossed, <laughs> like wrapped around each other, <laughs> trying not to have to change my clothes. Right. <laughs> the fish oh. is so hot. <laughs> It's insane. <laughs> I was just pleased that in a movie with a lot of negative like narratives that there were at least a couple points where dudes and ladies can learn some good shit. Well, and yes. yeah, like the, the scene whenever she's just like, I have to go take care of some things. And he's like, oh, are you getting cold feet? And she's like, no. He's like, but that's totally normal. Like, take as much time as you need. Do whatever right. you have to do. Like, right. he's very supportive. I feel like it would have been very easy for this movie to paint that character as like, or just lazy, easy, whatever. Like, he's abusive or he's mean or he's mm-hmm. distant or any number of things and I think this is one of the because by and large the Titanic parallels which we should break down by and large the ways that it's the same are like in a way that is Titanic gets the edge but in this way I think it's really interesting to present the guy she's going to marry as a good guy because it makes her choice harder definitely and it makes it more interesting to watch where like Cal Billy Zane no one's gonna fall in love with this guy (laughs) there 
he's a mess. And, <laughs> and, and so it makes it so clear, you know, it's like, oh, well, then these two characters should be together, no question. But it is kind of, like, hard as an audience member to be like, oh, she's, she's caught between a great guy and Ryan Gosling. A lawn so. in a big house. Right. right. <laughs> and, and so it is, like, kind of more interesting to watch. I did want to get back to that virginity scene because I thought it was so, I was so pleasantly surprised at how well done it was Mm -hmm. where yeah i mean you just see like positive communication between teenagers in a sexual situation which is like um what they're (laughs) but it's good and then also another he didn't like climb on top of her and then hang off of her and then let go of one hand like just do it (laughs) come on yeah, call back to their meeting. <laughs> but it was it was good. I mean, the fact that they're basically like they're like, let's lose our virginity in this haunted house. It's like that I'm gonna buy and make pretty for you, what? right? So we can fuck in this less haunted house <laughs> later. <laughs> Hot, lots of foreplay. Ten Matt years boy, of foreplay. Did Matt, the boy I made out with in an abandoned farmhouse, never promised me he'd paint it white and put shutters on it. I should have held out for something better in middle school, you know? Props to making out in a farmhouse, though. It was crazy. Drank That's a lot cool. of peach schnapps in that weird building. Nice. <laughs> should we take this time to discuss the parallels between the I think this would be a good Titanic. time to point the fact that you have a dark gray box with a white font, all bold, some underlined. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know why you're shaming me for my amazing organizational skills. There's this okay, so fan theory, and then we fact checked it right before we we came on stage. Uh, my original theory was that Nicholas Sparks wrote the book, The Notebook, right after seeing Titanic, because so much of it is like scene by scene, kind of the same thing in a lot of places. But then we found out, because as we all know. Titanic came out in December 1997. The Notebook, the book, came out in 1996. So new fan theory by Caitlin Gill is that James Cameron stole (laughs) the notebook because he had to shoehorn a love story into his weird boat movie. And I th- I like that. I think I think that could be very. I know that that's true. That he shoehorned a love story. I mean, I think that's kind of common knowledge about Titanic because he yeah. wanted a movie with fancy boats and things that went underwater. But they were like, uh, no, that's not a movie. And he was like, love story. And they were like, forty million dollars. Bring in Zane. <laughs> <laughs> that famous Hollywood line. Push a button, a carbonite block just comes out. <laughs> so there is so there is so much. All right, starting with the framing device of an old person telling a story that takes place many decades earlier. Check. Yeah. Poor boy sees rich girl with reddish hair. I must have her. Instantly enamored with her. They meet and fall in love very quickly. In Titanic, it's a matter of a day. Poor boy teaches rich girl how to not be such a stuffy rich girl. Right. Poor boy, like, re-educates rich girl. Because in, in both of these movies, poor people are cute. <laughs> poor people. They play the spoons on their porch. Or under the deck of a boat. The difficulties of the poor. <laughs> I just want to give you a soundtrack for the poor. <laughs> well, that exact dance scene is in both movies. Exactly. The Newsies hat dance scene. It's like, oh yeah, poor people be dancing in Newsies hats all the time. <laughs> Never mind the fact that they're fucking dying. Like they're, whatever. Uh, then we've got a uh, rich girl has fiance who is a rich boy. Rich girl's family disapproves of poor boy. In that exact same scene where they have a meal 
with the poor boy and, and they're like him for being poor yeah, yeah they're like so you're poor and he's like yeah being poor is cute <laughs> <laughs> and they're like well we don't think it's cute <laughs> and then the rich girl's like oh my god I'm so sorry let's go dance in a newsies hat and that is how it, both movies go the, d- yeah. the dinner scene in the notebook starts with waxy mustache dad more of a brunch say, telling like a joke being like oh we're all a bunch of millionaires and yet we live with uh, several whores he's a feminist icon we can all agree he's <laughs> icon 100 percent james um, marsden in this movie is a feminist icon but yeah i was yeah, I think yes so. i think so. um he's a little creepy when he's all in the cement plaster and is like what do you want to do with me <laughs> like he meets uh ally because she's a nurse in new york and then he comes back from the war all busted up he's got a bruised face so you don't know he's cute yet and he's in a big plaster thing so you don't know he's fit yet and he just like <laughs> she like half lifts him up and he's like getting into his bedpan presumably he's cut down below his waist like <laughs> Me. And she's like, you're a zombie. Fuck no. He's like, someday I won't be. And the next scene is like, Hong Kong, fancy car. I'm better. Come here. And the twist is, I'm James Marsden. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. Sounds good. He's like, I'm James Marsden. Oh, okay. James Marsden is, we have to say, a, the owner of a cotton plantation in 1940. So like, there's other stuff going on with his views. Oh, we haven't even <laughs> talked about the Bechtel test part, which also is problematic with that time period in the South. But we'll yes. get there. Yeah, oh, I'm absolutely. determined to get there because I we, we will. Because this does, this does take place. What, what you think? Yeah, just a couple more Titanic parallels <laughs> <laughs> that I want to get through. Rich girl and poor boy drink beer together. Mm-hmm. Poor boy's friend, whose name begins with F dies tragically Damn. this is my favorite Damn. one this is my favorite Finn dies in World War II Fabrizio dies via Titanic smokestack it's <laughs> basically the same thing <laughs> but there's one key difference between the two movies in the, in the notebook the old people die at the end and in Titanic Rose simply falls asleep and has a dream absolutely that's, not she yes, dies can we happens. just round of applause who thinks that she dies at the end of Titanic well, Damn, I didn't think who so agrees either. that she falls asleep and has a dream? I'm actually, I thought I was with you there and one person clapping in the back. So dream? Yeah. Thank you. Everyone, <laughs> you, the, you guys, I would love to see, like, if you stay till after the credits up. of Titanic, you just see Bill Paxton, like, holding out an old lady rolled in a blanket just off the top of the boat. <laughs> Sinks down with the jewel. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Oh, Paxton. <clears throat> Rest in paradise, my One man. of the things that I, I wanted to bring up, and this isn't specifically about any female characters, but it is about the portrayal of men and masculinity because the relationship between Noah and his dad is actually like very positive and healthy and like a very nice portrayal of that father-son relationship dynamic that we almost never see in movies especially of a movie of this kind it's a period piece it takes place in the south they're poor a lot of movies I think would be like have an emotionally abusive or physically abusive father uh, or he's and that's also just like lazy writing that we see a lot is like the daddy is bad mustache dad is also he's got that kind of like charming evil of the south where like you're positive he's racist and he's definitely misogynist but he's also overtly sweet to everyone and he's Mm -hmm. never like even unkind to his daughter and you don't see a lot of him but what that actor manages to portray is kind of that dad's thing of like i know what you're doing and i know you might get hurt but like 
I love you. There's, I right. know it's very small, but I kind of got like the little. There's a little scene where he's just on the porch where and she gets home. My favorite take in the movie is Rachel McAdams being scared of her father. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. she jumps, she doesn't realize he's there as she walks onto the porch and gives a great jump take that I want to loop in a gift that I would never stop watching. Um, <laughs> but he's just sort of he's paternal in a way that isn't negative. In a movie where it would have been really easy, Joan Allen is the more complex parental figure for Ellie. Her right. mom is definitely the one who is more protective. For complex reasons, she too am a fucked bit. a poor one. By the way, I'm not the first to express this sentiment, but I will give myself credit for novel phrasing. I'm convinced that there's a phone in Joan Allen's house that just rings every time Hollywood needs a distressed mother. It's just like a hotline directly to only her. And if she's not already on a set, being a mom who's sad, she has to go to another set immediately. To <laughs> They're be like, Alice and Janney's busy. Exactly. What a- <laughs> But that dad isn't so bad either. And there's good male friendships, except for like trying to, you know, set your dude up with a date with a girl who doesn't want to go on that date. Aside right. from that problematic. Like, yeah. you know, it's not the worst toxic masculinity. It's like romance toxicity. It's somehow different. Right. It's toxic yeah. for both men and women. Yeah, I mean, aside from it's the toxic for her. Because <laughs> it's like a guy with a great dad, a girl with parents who dote and care about her, who seems to have a level head, right? Like they're right. onto something here. Their kids with like, there's no trauma in their background that makes them irresponsible with romance. There's right. something like, whatever, I don't know if it's cultural. There's just something about the circumstance of romance that makes them be totally evil turds. Like, they, right. You know like what I mean? Like, young why does and a guy the class thing, with I a think. great dad who like reads him poetry hanging from one arm on a Ferris wheel? Like there's a disconnect. <laughs> like you've read poems, you've read sonnets. You should have <laughs> some idea of how to treat a lady. Where's your bouquet of posies, dude? Like <laughs> how many of those if you take a hike? I know that Whitman famous man? Walt Whitman poem about hanging off of carnival <laughs> exactly. equipment. And then she was mine. <laughs> I just think there, Romance that. is broken, maybe. Not not families, I guess. I don't know. I did. I did really like the father character, and like actually was, a, no, I was like, Noah's oh. father because I yeah because yeah. I forgot that he died, and I was like, oh yeah, there, there, that was that. that it's so that quick. That scene of the funeral because Noah's father passes after they restore the house together, and he is uh, they express that by saying it out loud, and then there's like a two second flash, almost like a coke appearing in a movie theater trailer to like get you thirsty. They just throw up a flashcard of a funeral. It's like. 10 people in black suits facing a hole in the ground and then it's gone. I just picture like the director being like, fuck, we need a scene in the funeral. Everybody get your suits and go outside. And then, you know, <laughs> it's just gaffers seconds. in suits. There's, there is like, and this, the only scene you see of the funeral is like people leaving the funeral. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even them at, it's like they're like, well, that was sad. I love the way this movie yada 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 is everything that isn't their relationship. It is yeah. totally focused on the two of them and whether or not they're going to stay together. Other than World War II is just like, I don't know. Boop, 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 boop. It's like, <laughs> we're going to war. We're back. That's the whole thing. They're like, Fabrizio died. That's too bad. <laughs> there, there was, I. they do fast forward a lot of stuff, but I feel like they still care. Like the characters still develop as if all of those things are happening. But because yes. we're only talking about the relationship beats, sometimes when we cut forward, we're like, whoa, why is it? <laughs> Ryan Gosling an alcoholic <laughs> and, and then you're like wait he lost everyone he loved died that's why and now all he has is his haunted plantation <laughs> and a war widow to bang and, oh the well, we gotta talk about the war widow she was disserviced whoa yeah. there's, there's a pun there <laughs> where are we at how's everyone doing on their bingo boards we've got to, okay okay I okay. feel like uh, um, 
There Sorry. are no cats in this movie. Cats have eight nipples. This has been Cat Facts with Caitlin. Are there no cats in this Does movie? That, I don't think there are any cats. Are no. there any dogs in There's this a noticeable yeah, lack there's of cats. Of, there's just ducks. There's just they have birds. penises. <laughs> I like the scene where um, Martha Shaw, who is Noah's, I New guess, like, fuck buddy. Like, he clearly does not take her very seriously and is not serious about her. This is, this is like, in the future. Well, not, like, well, like, you know. It's after he's restored the house. He's in a big right. old plantation mansion all alone. Dead mm-hmm. dad's in the backyard, I guess, wherever you put your old people when you're poor but have a mansion. Uh, <laughs> all of Noah's hamsters and also his father. <laughs> in the backyard of the plantation. But, yeah, there's a lady a couple towns over who, comes, who swings by for a little sad time booty call. It's just sad yeah. people boning. Who hasn't been that person? It's, yeah, we've all been there. But in the scene in, in which she and Allie meet, there's just an understanding of like, oh, you're the person that he used to love. Oh, you're the person that he currently fucks. Nice to meet Come you. Come on in. I feel like, I mean, they're both very mature about yeah. it. Another body <laughs> point I forgot for this movie where two women don't claw each other's eye out like an episode of Cheaters. Right. She just comes by like, oh, I've heard a lot about you. I've heard a lot about you too. Let's go in while it's daylight and you're going to leave when it's nighttime. Yada, yada, yada right. conversations that happened inside, right. I guess. <laughs> But I just think, like, I think, again, like, lazy writing would have had them just, like, be very petty and jealous sure. toward each other, but... Realistically, wasn't. I don't want to meet my fuck buddy's love of their life, I will say. If I'm and fucking him fuck because buddy. my husband died in the same war this dude came back from, there's right. a, that's a whole other movie. It's like, the yeah. war vet fucking the war widow is a whole other kind of romance. Like, she's right. not there to stay. What are you going to do, live in the eyes of the memory that the war that your husband didn't come back? Yeah, tell me again what the war was like. I don't think that's good. The notebook does not care about the war. Fall, the winter, whatever the opposite of a spring, the summer romance is. This is the dark, cold seasons romance. (laughs) The notebook does not care about World War II to the point where why did it even take place as World War II was happening? (laughs) Because it comes in at almost no point. It's like glazed over as like, oh, I guess we better address the fact that World War II happens. Also, we got to figure out how to kill Fabrizio. Was just to kill Finn because she's yeah. gone by then. He just makes that choice like after Allie's. This is part of his mourning the loss of his love right. after that year of letter writing. I don't know. War broke out. I guess I'll join the army. Right. Yeah. Him and Fabrizio are like working at some rock yard for pores and. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, everyone better join up. And he, they're like, oh, that sounds good. How do we feel about Allie as a character herself? I generally, I like how her character is developed over time because she starts out on top because she's repeatedly saying no, uh, <laughs> which is great. But then once she is involved in this relationship, when she's younger, especially, she's very combative. But you see her kind of mellow out as she gets older. To the older. point where she, like, hits him we several times. Yeah, she hits She's him a bunch. physically abusive yeah. to Ryan Gosling. To the point where there's one scene where they're breaking up when they're teenagers where she's hitting him over and over. And then there was this... I had to rewind it because I was like, did he hit her back? But no, he, hits his own he also starts hitting himself. And I'm like, why are we all hitting Ryan Gosling? <laughs> <laughs> this is very stressful. But she hits him a bunch of times. And I was like, ooh, this is... this is. Please stop hitting Ryan Gosling he's a national treasure <laughs> like he's Canadian so he's a Canadian he's they're a both from the same town and Rachel McAdams is two years older than Ryan Gosling I'd like to point that out because usually the Hollywood age gap has a male man being two, many a years old a man <laughs> I was gonna a man. 
Hollywood full of mailmen. The man being like years yeah. and years, sometimes decades older than especially in nineteen forties romance with a seventeen year old girl. Oh, oh yeah, that, that, yeah, that guy sure. could have been fifty, and it would have been like, yep, mm-hmm. yeah. Rachel, Ma- I mean, strictly speaking from a Rachel McAdams perspective, the Rachel McAdams perspective, she is, I think, awesome in this movie. This is also the same year that Mean Girls comes out. Like her two biggest, most different roles came out the same year. She's awesome. I love her. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, sorry, that's it. Uh, <laughs> we can go home. No, Allie is a character, I don't know. I mean, there's a part of her that is a little bit like rich girl underwritten for me of just like, eh, she's never really struggled. And then just sort of like, why does everyone like her so much? Why are we all like d- dying to, d- I don't know. She paints. <laughs> right. well, like, oh, wow. that, that's another thing. It's like, oh God, what a what a lazy like trope of just like, but she wants to be an artist. No, and I mean, let's be, she doesn't say I want to be an artist. She says, I paint for fun. Right. Like, there's no ambition beyond just like hanging out with a canvas, I guess. Like it's right. not like, and someday I'd like to be in a gallery. No also, thought. I think like, <laughs> I don't know, I give them out for Christmas. Like it just seems like, and that's like, and that's used as sort of this weird leveraging point of why we should favor Ryan Gosling over James Marsden because Ryan Gosling leaves this series of literal arrows leading to a canvas and then she paints in the nude. Because and it's like, he tells her how to have fun. Right, right. Like he instructs her with physical arrows where to go to have a good time. This is your recreation. <laughs> but, and also it's like, at that point, it's like, imagine if someone was telling you, hey, you liked doing this 10 years ago. You probably still love it. It's like, <laughs> Somebody sets up a Dance Dance Revolution pad and a PlayStation 2 for me. <laughs> I know you, right? But then, but then we're we're supposed to think, oh, James Marsden doesn't get it because one day she shows up at his office in the middle of the day and she's just like, I used to like painting, <laughs> and he does not tell her to James get the Marsden, fuck out, which is what he should. Such a bullet! Oh man, he's a, James Marsden's a fucking champ because she's so like, and both of them to their other romantic partners, but especially Allie, are very, like, emotionally careless towards them. James Marston has done nothing to deserve, like, her going off for a week and cheating on him for a week, and then coming back and being like, I don't know. And then, (laughs) I just feel like someone different when I'm with him. Right, and I'm just like, oh, that's something that people who cheat on you who can't be trusted would say. Uh, But it is a lifelong romance founded by teenagers on a summer fling and then infidelity. Like those are the two bedrock moments of their then lifelong relationship. So that fight where he, like Noah's like, this is going to be a lot of work. We're going to have to work at it every day. Like, yeah, dude, you started this on some rocky ground, not at your job. (laughs) You got a lot of trust to build, buddy. They, ha- they have this exchange a couple different times where they're like, we fight all the time. That's okay. <laughs> so, like when they're teenagers, they're like, all like there was like a voiceover, like all they do is fight. Cut to Rachel McAdams hitting Ryan Gosling incessantly. But boy, did they kiss nice. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's not what a good relationship is. And then they say it again 10 years later. All we do is fight. That's fine. I would have loved to see her pop out of dementia at the end and spend the three minutes she had cognizant just like, is this the candles that you're putting out? These are our nice candlesticks, you idiot. Just berating him. (laughs) Um, I wanted to mention that as with most mainstream Hollywood movies, this is a very hetero movie. This is a very white movie. All the main characters. Oh, gay as fuck. What are you talking about? Ellie's dad is totally gay. Hello? (laughs) Southern Southern dandies marry 
married to pretty ladies. Head to the south, y'all. It's happening all the time. That mustache daddy. <laughs> he gay. Queer icon mustache daddy for all you bingo boarders out there. I feel Queer like that's the subtext of Joan daddy. Allen in the car. Like, I could have married this right. poor, virile... At like beautiful mm, boy, fuck man. but I because I was in love with him, I married your gay father. We both needed a beard. <laughs> I love him, but honey, you get it right. Like you saw the mustache. That is, that's very implicit and not especially. It is not explicit. explicit. I'm definitely deciding that that's the case. <laughs> and and for a movie that takes place in the South in 1940, race is not touched at all oh it yeah is it not, is it is oh a lot of uh, actors of color got an extra day rate that's super nice yeah uh, there's a whole lot of background characters and there are the only people of color who have lines are the help one of the lines is yes. i would be happy to pack your bags yeah <laughs> so and that is the start. only person of color that i noticed who actually had a name was yeah. oh yeah was the servant in the house in the 40s so that's the only person of color with a name because there are two nurses that we see in the forward scenes with the old people over and over there are two women of color who work at the nursing home home <laughs> that sounds like even seem worse than a nursing nursing home oh boy <laughs> it's infectious the whole table has it the whole top lake can't be ache <laughs> But there, uh, we see, and we see these two characters for a lot of the movie. We see them in almost every scene that the old people are in. Never find out their names. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And it's just, it's that's just like careless, stupid writing. Can we get there now? That's why it doesn't pass the Bechtel test. Let's get. Do you want to wait? One last thing I wanted to say is yes. that um, we've got some other tests to address. Okay, good. I wanted wow. to just say that um, as it relates to the character, the people of color. Give it up for our first bingo winner. Congratulations. Bechtel bingo. Anyways, what else do we have to talk well, about I wa- So I wanted to finish my point uh, about, so the people of color in the movie, we were talking about the Bechtel test. There's yes. also the DuVernay test, yes. which requires yes. that people of color in the movie can't just be supporting the white characters in the movie. They have to have their own realized lives and stories and backstories and everything like that. So this movie does not fail, pass. Fail, fail, in this fail, movie, fail, every fail. person of color is literally seen serving a white person. There's yes. not... There's Although we do see, apparently, I uh, Noah and his father have several black friends because there's that scene where they're all dancing together uh, i don't that's like i mean we don't yeah we don't know least. anything about them and they're they don't have any lines that's also just used right. to imply like those rich snobs they pay they buy the black people we play spoons with them uh, but there's we, like a true. we would be remiss to not say that several times in the movie james marsden owns a cotton plantation. plantation. Yeah. <laughs> and let's and just... No one, and everyone's like, oh, cool. He's successful. And it's like, uh, he's 100% racist. There's <laughs> no way around it. But it's Okay, not. back to so the Bechtel test. By the Bechtel cast version. It technically um, does. But you had but a compelling argument. How. So I think that it, it we because we were talking about this before, and I think, it, I, I think you had a really good point that it does come to a matter of subtext where our version of the Bechtel test requires two female identifying characters with names talking about something other than a man for two lines of dialogue but that gets very low bar and so so basically it's safe to say that get tricky if you're at the point where that bar if you're squeezing something (laughs) under it it doesn't fucking fit 
Okay, I, because I, the scene we were talking about, the subtext is so the one it's a scene, scene that you could even use to suggest is at, between Allie and her mom. Right after Allie and Noah are out late trying to fuck, doesn't work out. So then her parents freak out because she's out late, and then they say we're leaving tomorrow, and you're going to college. Great, normal reaction. <laughs> We're vacating the mansion because you got fingered one time. <laughs> Very chill. So we see the scene with her and her mom the next day, and they do have several lines. Uh, do you have the actual lines e- of dialogue? Yes, it's in your novella. It's basically something to the effect of she's seen like cars getting packed up, and she's like, right. "What's going on?" And her mom's like, "We're leaving," and she's like, "We're leaving now." And she's like, "Yes, sit down and have some breakfast." And then so Willow, I think it is, will pack up your things. So that's where the argument comes in: is like they are not explicitly saying we're leaving now because you got fingered in a haunted house last night <laughs> by a guy. But I do, I do agree that that is the subtext of like that's what's driving this whole scene is the, the you know. I would even like I don't know if it's subtext because to me, Allie's response is like of like I'm not going anywhere is like not because I like the seaside, like I'm not leaving. Like, have you smelled this coastal air? It's because she wants she didn't get to slide down the pole. She wants to give it another <laughs> shot. But it, the only other scenes with women who talk to each other are in the retirement home, and it is mm-hmm. uh, none of those nurses have names. Uh, right. and none of those scenes right. are more than two lines anyway. They, and yeah, this those is can't a pass. movie with Joan Allen, Rachel McAdams, and Gina Rowlands in it, and you can't find a conversation for any of those actors. Those actors could read the back of a Cheerios box, and I would right. weep. <laughs> the, well, okay, so I have a few more scenes that could pass or that have women characters interacting Two female with each characters. other. Uh, Allie talks to her friend Sarah a couple different times. In one of the scenes, Sarah is telling Allie about Noah does not pass. God, that seems so annoying, too, because Allie's like, isn't it so weird how he just threw himself at me? And she's like, no. That's <laughs> just what? Noah. <laughs> Later on, uh, whenever Noah shows up to the surprise date that he has orchestrated, Sarah goes, you remember Noah, don't you? And she's like, Ugh. doesn't pass. They talk about a oh, man. A uh, scene later on when they're like playing in a body of water. Birds. No, bir- birds are not present here. No birds. Um, there's, a, there's a rope that they're all swinging from. And oh, God, that scene is terrifying. Sarah's like, get in the I water. Forgot. And oh. she's like, I can't. Maybe passes. <laughs> that is honestly the closest one yet. But I forgot about that scene. Ryan Gosling, she's afraid to jump off the rope swing. And Ryan Gosling is just on the side like, do it. Go for it. Get in the water. Do it. Go for it, baby. Get in. Just try it, honey. You'll have fun. Get in the fucking water! Uh, I mean, jump, baby. Other scenes where <laughs> women interact. <laughs> uh, other scenes where women interact. Um, Allie is chatting with her college friends about James Marsden. We do not know any other names, and they're talking about a man. Allie is in a group of women at her wedding dress fitting. They're squealing about the dress and the wedding, but we do not know any of their names. And then she passes out in her wedding And they faint. Uh, Because she's on the top half of the newspaper, and then it flops down, and poor Noah's under the fold (laughs) with the picture of Poor man renovates haunted house. (laughs) It's like rich girl getting married. Poor boy does something? (laughs) Question mark? (laughs) Another another contender for passing the Bechdel test is when 
old Allie meets all of her female relatives. Uh, obviously, they know That's who she is, but she doesn't know who they are. It's all his. Like, those are the kids that they made in their relationship. I don't I think, know. like, what's your name again counts when they're yeah. the literal... If it was a character like okay. someone else's family... Maybe that's me stretching, but like reintroducing yourself to your kids when you have dementia and your husband is right there <laughs> is still kind of about your relationship. That's a tentative pass. <laughs> in that case, and and also I like I think that oh God, and I hate that we have to get so into the weeds of like what is a pass, but the fact that even if the the daughters in that scene do have names, which I believe they do at yeah, some they point, do. yeah, she doesn't know their names. <laughs> So it can't pass if at least the women talking don't even know each other's name. So that I was like, that can't. I think that's very ableist of you, but... (laughs) (laughs) Those kids only come in to be like, Dad, stop taking care of Mom. So they also only talk about their relationship. That's true. And also, what hateful children. (laughs) They're like, we hate... Don't you hate how Dad loves Mom? I know. They're terrible. (laughs) I will say, I'll give this movie credit as a film. It is very focused on telling one story that, although we've criticized its negative aspects, is very beautiful. It's a love story over over time. And it's nice. It is just about the relationship of these two people. And in the movie, no one talks about anything else. (laughs) So it's a weird movie to apply the test to because no one has a conversation about any thing else it's not like two women in the movie would have an opportunity to be like did you admire this silver spoon its detail is quite exceptional they talk about (laughs) nothing except for whether Allie and Noah are gonna fuck forever that is the sole focus of the film an accomplishment in storytelling it is a very focused well-crafted story with not a lot of fat to trim again that scene with Martha after Allie shows up and War Widow comes cruising in knock 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 I brought you a pie wink wink Allie opens the door and is like come on in let's chat and again the next scene is like it's dark out they just yada yada through all that conversation they don't talk about anything that isn't just the two of them would that scene pass the Bechdel test though he's right there and the context of their conversation is like hey we both have kissed the same man (laughs) we're Eskimo sisters (laughs) let's make cornbread or whatever (laughs) oh wait oh the bingo board has reminded me of something I wanted to talk about (laughs) (laughs) that this movie originally uh, the, the Steve Buscemi test is basically just a, a framework that uh, makes it so that because Ryan Gosling is the one, you know, Ryan Gosling, notorious Hollywood hunk, is the one displaying all the predatory behavior at the beginning of this movie, we're conditioned by movies to think that because he's so hot, it's okay. So the idea being if we sub out Gosling with Buscemi, or just someone not considered Hollywood hot, it immediately <laughs> registers as not okay. <laughs> Where if Buscemi shows up in the rain saying, I wrote you every day for a year, you call the cops. And it's like, not a question. So that's, that's, what, that's what that is. Yeah. Yeah, that's alarmingly true in this film. (laughs) If you sub out... This only flies because they're, like, both hotties. Anyone who's not... Right, and if you sub out Rachel McAdams with someone who's not alarmingly hot and she's just hitting Ryan Gosling, you're like, no, this is... But I feel like, especially when this movie came out, probably that behavior on her part barely registered. It didn't register for me at all. I forgot that she was Hits him. hitting him all the time they were teenagers. You yeah. know, I just, it just occurred to me that what's kind of beautiful about being unconventionally attractive uh, is that even if you're rich or poor, if you fell in love at 17 
as an uncom- if you're a Buscemi and a Lady Buscemi, and you meet each other. <laughs> oh yeah, the Greta Gerwig and film. And you fall deeply in love, and you come back to your mother and father like tooth jutting out over your lower lip, nose hair visible, whatever your problems are. Uh-huh. Like, Daddy, I found love. <laughs> like you don't. Yeah, congratulations. We don't give a shit if he works at a lumberyard. This is the best. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he he's, in, a he's got a hump on his back. He's just got like you know he's bald but wrong. It's just on the sides and not on the top. Like. You know, they're just well, like, whatever. I'm so glad you love our beaver tooth daughter. Congratulations. I'm going to buy you that mansion to restore with your huge hands. <laughs> I do want to pitch to our certainly all industry audience uh, <laughs> my, my new film, Lady Buscemi, directed, <laughs> directed by Greta Gerwig. Sacramento, it's a coming of age story of a young lady. Lady Buscemi. Buscemi. It's a companion to my famous uh, Tony Danza biopic, I, Tony, which will also be coming out in the coming year so check out I'm gonna take these movies led by women and replace them by men <laughs> I do want to see Tony Danza land a triple axle though <laughs> Tony Danza's People mom parrot a Spock haircut everything else is the same but it's Tony Danza <laughs> <laughs> shall we rate the movie on our nipple scale oh sure so we have a nipple scale where we rate the movie based on its portrayal of women a zero to five nipples This is going to be tricky for me because aside from the first 15 minutes, which are very problematic and very irresponsible in the way that they depict like a budding romance, the rest of the movie I don't think does that badly in depicting a romance. I think I want to give it two and a half nipples. Okay, yeah. I mean, between like the like noticeable lack of toxic masculinity again aside from the first 15 minutes of the movie the way that you depict Noah and his dad's relationship and other male characters I mean why am I giving credit to them this is not what this podcast is about except for gay mustache daddy (laughs) (laughs) I I guess Allie is a character I appreciate she's generally pretty well developed I think Um, she doesn't fall into a lot of tropes that you see in romantic stories. Some of them, yes, but overall, I think she's like pretty dynamic. I mean, she's one of two main characters. She's helping to drive the story. She's making choices. She has agency. But, you know, the movie's not perfect for all the reasons that we've already discussed. So, yeah, I'm going to... Two and a half nipples. One of them goes to Ryan Gosling's nipple that is exposed in the movie. That is the only nip we get? Uh, Right. One of them I'm going to give to Fabrizio from Titanic. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And the half nipple... I'll give two gay mustache daddies mustache. Sick. Yeah, let's give a mustache. That's actually very forward thinking of you. I would accept a glass of milk from the mustache nipple. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll give it two and a half as well. For all the reasons you stated, I think that the other female characters we see in this movie, even the ones that are better developed, like Allie's mom and like Martha, are really, I mean, and again, it's kind of like what you're saying, Caitlin, Gill, that it is because it's just such a focused story that there's not really a B-plot at all. The yeah. B-plot is the main characters, but older. The B-plot is like Finn, who's there to set him up on a date once and then die in a war. <laughs> right. That's the entire... Right. That was his entire uh, orbit, too. It. Pretty yeah. embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> set people up on a date one time, later killed in World War II. Uh, but... but it, 
but like I think that there's little things this movie and this story could have done more to better service its female characters, mm-hmm. such as not having the best friend only say like you should go with that guy who's threatening to kill himself if you don't go on a date with him. The the mom beat even though I didn't totally dislike that scene where it's like at least we get a scene understanding where the mom's coming from and she's not just totally villainized. But the, the fact that it was just like I fucked a poor person once too, big mistake. But what a great dick! Like they're, they're <laughs> just, just weird. And I also really don't like how the women of color in this movie are treated. Where they're, I mean, every woman of color in this film is in a service position, and only one of them is given a name, and that is annoying, especially considering that this movie takes place in the South and it's just like, it's just this weird, bizarre blind spot where it's okay. Like, it's like this movie doesn't have to be about race, but it's like, if it, you know, give your characters a name, give them something to do, give them, you know. So for, for that reason, I'm going to give it two and a half and give one nipple to Allie because I do like her. She goes on a, you know, journey. She, for a rich girl, I don't want to fucking kill her, I guess. So that's good. <laughs> that's, honestly, uh, that's true. That is a solid point. Yeah. <laughs> one nipple to Allie. I'll give one nipple to James Marsden, who, like, f- feminist icon James Marsden in this movie. And then I will give a half nipple to the, the wonderful nurse who's constantly restraining old Dementia Alley, (laughs) whose name we never get to learn even though she has to discover them dead. Not fair. Anyways, so that's, those are who I give my nipples to. I'm with you. (laughs) I'm gonna give it to because I am frustrated by something I didn't see but felt implied and you had such great actresses there. I would have liked to feel this tonally in the movie, even in 2004. So much of Alley's choice in the film is between you know, her heart and her common sense, sort of. Like, she has this uncertain but passionate relationship with this guy who built a house for her and a very steady relationship with a guy who's literally named Lon. Uh, <laughs> like, by the time she has to make that choice, I, as a film watcher, only feel the tension of those two relationships. When in reality, that character is in a much, like, a larger context of her family and then the context of the stupid world we live in, where a lot of her choices aren't about her heart or her head. It is circumstance that, like, Allie's parents do have a complicated choice to make. Realistically, they're not crazy for thinking their daughter shouldn't be in this impulsive romance. At 17, Both for circumstance and other reasons. And her mom especially, like, waiting until that scene where mom takes daughter to go look at the dude she used to fuck to reveal, like, the complexities of the heart there. These are women trapped by choices that aren't made by the men that they're in relationships with. Like, everyone is kind of stuck here. Gay mustache daddy can't be out. He has to marry Joan Allen. Like, everybody's got... (laughs) A circumstance binding them, and I wish when it got to Allie's choice between these two boys that she gets to fuck forever or whatever, I wish I didn't feel any of that weight. There's no greater social, like, I know he yells at her, like, forget what other people want. What do you want? What do you want? And we're supposed to think that's romantic. But, like, like I guess the answer comes in a book about feminism in the 60s. Like, what she wants is to not have her only choices be which guy to marry. Like, what's not on the table is, like, 
going to college not to find a husband, but like maybe learn something you want to do. What's not on the table is like wearing pants. Like, you know, there's so many things she doesn't get to do. I'm pretty sure she majors in English, too, because the one scene we see her in college, the professor is talking about Walt Whitman. Hey, do you think Nicholas Sparks likes Walt Whitman? I wonder. (laughs) I feel like Nicholas Sparks and, like, Mitch Album have this timeshare together where they just, like, (laughs) jerk off for, like, a week every year, and then at the end they're like, it's a book, we did it. (laughs) The That's five, the real notebook. The five <laughs> notebooks you made in heaven. <laughs> so those are, I, I wish that, that uh, there had been a little bit more influence to that greater choice because it better understands mom's choice to hide the letters and not marry the hunk. Like, for such a closed story, I wish a little bit more of the world had pushed its way in because I think that's mo- that would have made this character of Allie more real and Rachel McAdams is certainly capable of giving you a character with more. So it was Joan Allen. Yeah. There was just something missing from the women because all their choices were only about men and I guess that's implied. Yeah, duh, they don't get to make choices about anything else. There's no pain from that. There's no weight from that in the film. And also there are I- literally birds flying away. Like, mm-hmm. So it's hard. I, those are, that's why I can't give it that extra half nipple and that's why even though I love love and I think it's beautiful that you want to be in love forever and I think love is hard work and relationships are tough and it takes two devoted people who are passionate not just about each other but about their relationship to actually die in a hospital gurney together like (laughs) that's really beautiful and I said don't think it's crazy for women and men to want that I'm not inherently like monogamy is whatever but if it's what you want do it do it for real do it like that be birds together but there's so much more that goes into that choice, especially in those circumstances for that character. So two nipples, and they go on either side of the Ferris wheel. <laughs> Beautiful symmetry. And, and, and to the point, I, I think that that is also possibly because it is a love story written by a man, mm-hmm. that, those, that those points aren't addressed. It's like, uh, and the point know. of view character is Ryan Gosling. He's That's a, true. pretty much the protagonist well, of the well, story. Uh, this whole time I was arguing, I was like, oh, is Ryan Gosling mansplaining Rachel McAdams' own life story to her <laughs> the whole movie? But it turns like out the- it was her... Notebook. So, I love the theory you. that we talked about where you just right. mastered her handwriting and wrote the whole thing. And then you were an idiot and you yelled at me. But I stuck with you anyway, you forgetful old lady. That's like the end of it. <laughs> love, Rachel McAdams. <laughs> There's a scene where he's looking through a photo album of like their life together and it's pictures of young James, James Garner <laughs> instead of Ryan Gosling and, so and Rachel it's McAdams. So like, weird. why wouldn't And it looks just... nothing like Rachel McAdams. <laughs> no. I'm like, see, like a Michael is... Jackson black and white fade out of their faces becoming one. <laughs> like, this is another t- thing stolen from Titanic. The Titanic at least tries to Photoshop this real, real hack job in the notebook of two people we've never seen before. And then he's just like, oh, this is nice. I'm like, who are these people? I do feel like that's fan service for all the grandmas watching it with the 13 year old on TNT who've been the whole time. Like, they've had to watch James Garner, their sex symbol, their Ryan Gosling, in an old folks' home taking his button down off to be. <laughs> the doctor and this wife beater and he's got this like oh at one point I'll make this very quickly I'm glad old people got to be sexy in this movie yes. I really love sexy yes. old people I think sex when you're old is passionate and beautiful and so great and I hate it when movies act like it's gross and I thought that was really sweetly handled she wakes up from her dimensionally dance for a minute it's very romantic I like giving old people credit that they still rock hard because they bone down where the places where venereal diseases are spreading the fastest is nursing homes yeah my grandma is was the horny jeez well, rest in paradise grandma <laughs> 
horniest American woman I've ever met in my life. <laughs> I horniest woman. Yay. Great. Uh, hey, thanks for coming to our show. <laughs> thanks for coming. Uh, thank you, Caitlin Gill, for being our guest. Thank you, Caitlin and Jamie, for having me. Thanks for coming, and thank you, we'll see you later. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Bean Dad. The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.